Welcome to I Got Issues, a podcast offering hope and healing for the hurts, habits, and hangups we all experience. Thank you for listening. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Hadley Baker. I am the host of the I Got Issues podcast. I want to welcome everyone in today. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It's going to be a real-life conversation, just like all of the conversations on this podcast. Before we dive in today, I want to do what I always do and make an appeal to you. As I have said before, I still believe that the greatest form of marketing on the planet is word of mouth. So I want to ask you to help me out by simply sharing this podcast with a friend. Reach out to somebody and let them know about the I Got Issues podcast. And today's content in particular, uh, you're probably going to think about a lot of people who need to hear what we are going to unpack together today. So if you could help me out with that, I would greatly appreciate it. Something else you can also do to give us more exposure and more visibility is to leave a review or to rate the podcast. So whatever platform you are listening on, if you could do that, it would mean so much to me. And again, I want to thank you guys for tuning in for today's episode. Well, hey, let's go ahead and jump in today. Uh, If you've been paying attention at all these last few years, particularly since 2020 with the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic, you know there has been a lot of talk, a lot of discussion surrounding the issue of mental health, particularly anxiety and depression. And I'm going to be honest with you, and maybe this is confession on my part, but for many years of my life, I really did not understand mental health. I did not understand anxiety. I did not understand depression. Uh, I thought people with mental health issues were just crazy. They were weirdos. Uh, They needed to be locked up in a padded room somewhere. I'm just keeping it real with you when I tell you that I thought people who struggled with those things were, frankly, just nuts. And it's interesting because here on the one hand, I've just said that I didn't really understand anxiety or depression, and I had some uh, ill-informed perceptions of people who struggled with those things. But the truth is, I actually have battled anxiety for most of my life. I just didn't understand that that's what it was called. I thought what I struggled with was normal. I thought what I struggled with, everyone else struggled with it. I thought it was normal to be really, really nervous and anxious all the time. I never thought of it as a condition. I never correlated my struggles with anxiety to mental health. I thought it was just my personality type. Hey, I'm a little bit type A. I'm a little OCD about things. And I just always chalked it up to that. In high school, I will give you an example. When I played football, I always felt a tremendous pressure to perform well, to do well. So much of my identity was wrapped up in that. And in addition to performance, I was always worried about injury. I had seen friends of mine get hurt playing football. Uh, I remember a guy being carried off the field one time uh, with a broken leg. And so I was always nervous about getting injured. And so it was not uncommon for me before football games uh, to have to go into the bathroom and vomit numerous times. Uh, I can remember vividly being in the locker room and there were uh, all the players packed in there right before kickoff, right before we took the field. And my coach is standing up at the chalkboard, Xing and Owen and telling us what we're going to do. And in the background, there I am in the bathroom heaving up my guts purely out of nerves. And I just dismissed it as me being competitive or me being on edge or me being intense. I never thought about that as mental health. 
Well, fast forward many years later, uh, this is about six years ago, in late 2017, uh, I had what psychologists and psychiatrists would call a mental break. And if you're not familiar with that term, let me just offer you some imagery that might help you understand it. When I talk about a mental break, what I mean is I went from experiencing normal day-to-day anxiety that would sometimes intensify in moments and then dissipate after the moment. But what I began to experience in late 2017, it was like the panic button got stuck on my brain and I lived in a perpetual state of anxiety. It was like my whole system was just racked with fear, with just this incredible sense of unease and foreboding. It was absolutely crazy. I had never experienced anything like it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just, I'm just being very transparent today. Uh, after a few weeks of going through that and not improving, I legit thought I was going crazy. I thought I was losing my mind. Uh, I had such horrific insomnia that I couldn't sleep at night. And if you've ever gone multiple nights with next to no sleep, you know that your mind can begin to do some strange things. You can begin to think crazy thoughts, feel some crazy feelings, like your just perception of the world around you is, is altered significantly because your brain is not operating the way it's supposed to operate. And that's what happened to me. And I'm not trying to sound dramatic. I'm not trying to embellish the facts. I'm just keeping it real with you when I tell you it was one of the most terrifying things that I have ever experienced. And I couldn't shake it. I I prayed. I cried out. I did everything I knew to do, and it just wasn't getting better. And it was terrifying. And the thought that kept going through my mind was that I am not going to get out of this. I don't know what's happening to me. I can't explain it. I can't shake it off. I can't will myself or push myself through it. Something is drastically wrong with me, and I don't know what to do. I'm stuck in this, and this is going to be my new reality. And I'm just telling you, and some of you know because you have experienced it or you are experiencing it right now. But dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression is one of the most horrific realities a person can experience. But going through that experience taught me that people who deal with anxiety and depression are not crazy people. They're not wackos. They're not nut jobs, all right? They're everyday people that you see around you all the time. You work with them. They're in your family. They're in your circle of friends. You go to church with them. They're your neighbors who live across the street. Everyday people struggle with this, and experiencing it firsthand has cultivated in me a deep sense of empathy and compassion uh, for people who are battling this. And so on today's episode of I Got Issues, that's why we are talking about mental health and reclaiming your mental health. What can you do when you find yourself in a place where it just feels absolutely hopeless, like you are stuck like Chuck and you're not getting out of it? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. What I want to do in the rest of our time together is take a look at seven strategies that you can implement right now to help you as you are seeking to reclaim your mental health. These are things that I have learned in my journey, things I've learned both firsthand and in talking with others who have struggled uh, with some of these issues. And if you are battling presently, I want to really encourage you to visit the show notes. Everything I'm going to share with you today, we've provided uh, these steps and these strategies in the show notes. 
you're going to discover that they are very practical, uh, very just simple things that you can implement that can set you on a new pathway towards healing and wholeness and restoration. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into seven strategies for reclaiming your mental health. Step number one is to check yourself and inspect yourself. Now this step has a spiritual undertone to it. And I understand that I'm talking to some of you today who are not Christians, but I want to speak as a pastor just the same. Because the truth is, there are real laws that apply to all of us. And if you think of the law of gravity, for example, it doesn't matter whether or not you believe in gravity, gravity is true and you will experience the realness and the truth of gravity if you test gravity. Well, in the same way, there are spiritual laws that are also true. And when we violate or test those laws, sometimes they come at a cost to our own soul, a cost to our own mental wellness and well-being. And so I want to lay this question before you is, is there a pattern of ongoing habitual sin or willful disobedience toward God in your life? This can be one of the factors that contributes to anxiety and depression. And if you look in the book of Psalms, chapter 32, verses 1 through 5, David talks about how hiding his sin and refusing to confess his sin affected his very person, his very sense of well-being. In verse 3, he says, Man, my body began to waste away, and I groaned all day long. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. But then he says, finally, I confessed all my sin to you. I, I stopped trying to hide my guilt. And he said, you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. See, the truth is that our souls are impacted by the choices we make. And so I'm not suggesting that every person who struggles with anxiety or depression is living some secret life of sin. However, what I am saying is that it is possible that if you're living a life of ongoing sin, it is affecting you in ways you may not even realize. That's why you have to stop and check yourself, inspect yourself and say, God, have I violated your commands? Is that why I'm struggling with this anxiety? Only you know the answer, but I wanna challenge you to be honest with yourself as you wrestle through this first step. Okay, step number two is to resist the urge to isolate. Resist the urge to isolate. I have discovered in my life that when I am struggling with anxiety and depression, I isolate and separate myself. This is actually one of the worst things that you can do. You have to enlist trusted friends and loved ones into your struggle. You have to get people around you who can pray for you, encourage you, walk with you, check on you. If you're trying to navigate this alone, I'm just telling you, that is a horrible strategy. You need help, and it's okay. There's no shame in needing help. Did you know the Bible actually speaks about the benefits of being surrounded by others and having people to walk with you through life's difficulties? I'm thinking of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, where Solomon says, Two people are better off than one. 
They can help each other. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. The truth is we need help. We need people around us. And so I know that when you're struggling with the depression, when the anxiety is just overwhelming you, so often you just want to retreat into isolation. But you have to resist that urge. Do whatever you have to do. Make a phone call. Send a text message. Set up a coffee. But be vulnerable and reach out to people you know you can trust, people who love you, and say, listen, I am really struggling, and I need you to walk with me until I get to the other side of this storm. And speaking of storms, that leads us to number three. The third step is to choose the right anchor. Choose the right anchor. And what I mean by that is simply to place your trust in what you believe, not in what you feel. If you've ever been on a boat, you know that a boat can easily be tossed when a storm comes in. And so in those times, you need an anchor that you can drop to the bottom of the water that can hold you in place until the storm passes. You see, in moments like those, you don't want an anchor made out of styrofoam. You want an anchor made out of steel. You want something strong that can hold you in place. Well, what I want to say is that our beliefs are the anchor we have to choose, not our feelings. See, far too often we let what we feel inform us rather than what we believe. But the truth is that our feelings can be very deceptive. Our feelings can change just like the weather. Our feelings can come and go. But our belief and our faith in God is an anchor that can hold us. I once heard a preacher say that emotions make great companions, but they make terrible leaders. You don't want your emotions navigating your life. It's great if they travel with you, but you don't want your feelings to be in the driver's seat. That's where your faith and your belief in God have to be. And so in these times, you're going to have to preach to yourself and say, I know what I'm feeling. I know how real it is. I know how convincing it is. But in this moment, my anchor is not going to be what I feel. I'm going to hold on to what I believe. Now, I'm going to be honest with you that this is not easy to do because when your mind is struggling, when your will is struggling, it can be very difficult to believe what you believe. But I want to encourage you, God sees your heart, God understands your weakness, and when you choose to hold on to Him in the hardest of times, when anxiety and depression are overwhelming you, can I tell you, that's when your faith grows. Because it's when your faith gets tested that you discover that your faith can be trusted. And so you choose the right anchor. You choose faith, not feelings. Our fourth strategy for reclaiming our mental health is to tap the brakes, to slow down your life. The truth is far too often what leads to our battles with anxiety, what leads us into a state of depression, is that we are living a life without limits. Our schedule is out of control, our, our pace of life is out of control. We're acting like robots rather than human beings. I heard someone say that one time, that you and I are human beings, not human doings. But we get caught up in doing, we get caught up in activity, and what begins to happen is that our soul pays the price for our schedule. We're not made to push that hard. We have to tap the brakes, we have to slow down, we have to rest. I'm reminded of the famous theologian Dallas Willard who once said that we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our life. 
that I know our culture prizes and champions grinding and, and working and just going all the time. But did you know Jesus didn't choose to live that way? If you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus often would break away from the crowds, would break away from his schedule and his demands to just be alone and rest and spend time with his Father. And you and I are invited to do the same thing. Psalm 4610 simply says to be still and know that I am God. Your soul and my soul will thrive when they are rested. They will thrive when they've had an opportunity to be replenished and restored. But if you are grinding all the time and you're not getting enough sleep, you're not taking a day off, you're not giving your body and your mind and your soul the necessary rest, I'm just telling you, others may think you're awesome because, man, look how hard that dude goes. Man, look at that boss, babe. She's grinding. But you know who's going to pay the price for that? You are. So I'm going to say it to you again. You got to tap the brakes. And as a follow-up to that, we landed our fifth strategy for reclaiming our mental health, which is fight for your health. Fight for your health. And this means to reclaim well-being in every area of your life. Now let's get practical when we talk about this. But I think one of the mistakes Christians make, and I'm speaking as a pastor when I say this, is that we fight mental health struggles purely on a spiritual level. We think, man, if I just pray more, if I just read the Bible more, if I go to church more, then, then all these demons I'm battling, this anxiety demon, this depression demon, it, it's going to go away. Is it possible that your battles are spiritual in nature? Yes, that's possible. I'm not denying that. But can I say to you that you as a human being are not just spirit. You have a spirit, but you also have a body and you have a soul. So you have to fight for your health across all of these different fronts. So this for you might mean joining a gym and getting some exercise. Maybe it's not even uh, going to the gym, it's going for a walk. Maybe it's actually having true, meaningful relationships, where instead of scrolling on a screen and, and having relationships that are shallow and superficial, you actually have some real FaceTime with people and do life with them. Maybe it means going to a doctor. Maybe it means medicinal help. Maybe for a period in time, you need to get on medication. Perhaps you need to sit down with a counselor and talk through some internal struggles that you've been burying. Maybe you need to go on vacation. Maybe you need a weekend to get away, shut your phone off, and just rest. What I'm saying is that you have to understand that at the end of the day, you're going to have to do whatever it takes to reclaim your mental wellness and you have to fight for it but fight for it on all fronts body soul and spirit so do whatever you can to refill yourself to replenish yourself to find that place of restoration and it's going to look different for every person but you've got to fight for it that's the only way it's going to happen i want you to go and read first kings chapter 19. the prophet elijah who had just performed one of the greatest miracles in all of the Bible in the previous chapter, 1 Kings 18. In chapter 19, we see him battling horrific anxiety and depression. He's so afraid, he's so worn out, he is struggling to the point that he's suicidal. He's literally asking God to kill him. And you want to know what God does? God has him eat and sleep. God looked at this prophet and said, you know what, bro, you need to take a nap. You need some food. 
your system is out of whack. This is the Bible. This is a man who has great faith, who's calling down fire from heaven. And you know what he needed? He needed a nap. He needed some rest. He needed some nourishment. He had to get all of himself healthy. And I just want to say this to those of you who are especially Christians. Yes, we fight the battle on the spiritual front. Yes, we pray. But we don't stop there. Find the things that replenish you and restore you and add those things to your life. Okay, number six, tell shame to shut up. Tell your shame to shut up. Hadley, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Well, let me explain. What I have experienced and so many of the people that I've counseled with and talked with will tell you they have experienced is that there is a tremendous amount of shame that comes with mental health struggles. That so many times we allow our battles with anxiety or depression to define us. We let the struggle become our label. And I want to just encourage you on the authority of Scripture that just because you have an area of weakness or struggle in your life, that is not your identity. That is not who you are. It may be a part of your existence. It may be something you struggle with, but it doesn't define you. And what you're going to find, and you probably have already found, is that there will be voices that come in your mind to attack you, to demean you, to criticize you, to make you feel just like a crappy human being, like a sucky Christian. You're just, you're not any good. If you had more faith, you wouldn't be struggling with this. You're a weirdo. No one else deals with this. You're the only one. Just all these voices being shot at you like fiery arrows. And in that moment, you need to just rise up. Something inside of you, that faith within has to rise up and you have to say, shame, shut up. I am not listening to this nonsense. And it's interesting because in the scriptures, we actually see that God uses the areas where we struggle, he uses them for his purposes. The apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 said something crazy. He's, he said that three different times he cried out to God to take away whatever it was he was struggling with. He doesn't tell us. But then he said that God answered him and said, Paul, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So then Paul says something crazy. He says, I actually boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. You see, Paul saw his struggles as an opportunity for God's power to be displayed in his life. And that's the way you and I have to look at our struggles with mental health. Is there an area of weakness? Yes, but listen to me, God is attracted to weakness. When God sees a man or a woman who says, Lord, I can't do this on my own, that's when he manifests his presence and his power in our lives. See, I'm gonna say something that may rock your world, that it could be possible that this struggle you are having with mental health might be the very tool that God uses to reveal himself to you in a way that you have never known him before. That God would take what the enemy meant to sucker punch you and destroy you and take you out and rewrite the script and say, I'm gonna show you who I really am. And it took you getting to this place where you got desperate enough that you cried out to me and now you're seeing me and you're knowing me in a way that you never did. But friend, I wanna encourage you your struggle does not define you. And when that voice of shame tries to creep in, you take authority and you say, shame, shut up. Okay, 
Our seventh and final step or strategy for reclaiming our mental health is to keep pressing in and keep crying out. And what I mean by that is to simply pray prayers that are real and raw and to pray those prayers often. I want to just free you up to talk to God in a way that is authentic, vulnerable, transparent, and just honest. Some of us maybe who grew up in religious backgrounds, we get so caught up in our prayers being so dignified and sounding so eloquent and just just being so prim and proper. Can I tell you that you have permission to come to God as you are and say, Lord, I hate this. Lord, this sucks. Lord, I don't understand it. Lord, what is going on? You cry out. I'm talking, if you need to wet the carpet with your tears, if you need to sling some snot, if you need to scream, if you need to shout, you do whatever you need to do. But whatever you do, do not give up. You keep pressing in to God. You keep crying out. Say, Lord, I can't do this. Lord, I need you. I'm telling you, it's moments like these, these raw and real moments, when we begin to discover who God really is. Sometimes our faith can just be so weak and anemic when things are going well. But it's when you're going through struggles that you discover how powerful your Heavenly Father really is. And that's why you keep pressing in. That's why you keep crying out, because you know He is there. I'm reminded of the passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 where it says that Jesus, our high priest, he understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings that we do. Do you realize when you pray to God the Father through Jesus the Son that Jesus understands because Jesus went through what you're going through? Jesus gets it. And so the verse continues that we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God where we can receive mercy and find grace to help us when we need it the most. Isn't that a wonderful promise? That you have a God who loves you so much that he invites you and says, hey, I get it, I understand, come to me, cry out to me. I walked the earth, I was in your shoes, I know what it's like, I know how hard it is, I know how bad it hurts. Cry out to me, keep pressing in and keep crying out. Well, friend, I hope you've heard something today that has encouraged you. I understand the struggle that you may be navigating at this present moment can seem overwhelming, but hopefully you've grabbed a hold of something, even if it's just one little nugget that you can take hold of uh, to just keep you going to take that next step. I have a good friend of mine named Mike Stone. He's actually a pastor. And when I was in the depths of my struggle, he said something to me over and over and over. And I want to speak this over you today. He just simply said, Hadley, you're going to be okay. And he said that and he said that. And even though I often didn't believe it, he just kept proclaiming that over me. And I want to speak that over you today, that you're going to get through this. You're going to get to the other side, that God is with you. He has not abandoned you. He has not forsaken you. And you're going to make it through. So before we land the plane today, I just want to quickly say a prayer for you. And no matter where you're listening, just receive this prayer and just know that God is listening, that he is with us in this moment, and that he is available to touch your life right now. So let's go to him in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And I just lift up my friend who is listening today. 
Lord, while I may not be in the room with them physically in this moment, I know that you are there with them. I know it's not an accident, it's not a coincidence that they listen to this podcast today, that you're drawing them in and letting them know that you are there, that you are present. We don't always understand why we go through the things that we go through in life. And Jesus, you told us that in this world we would face trouble, we would face hard times, but you also promised us that you would never leave us or forsake us, that you have overcome everything that we will face, and so we put our hope in you. So I just ask you to lift their eyes up, Lord, to encourage them, to strengthen them, that even now in this moment, they would sense your presence just invading the space that they are in, that they would know that you are there for them, that you care, God, that you love them, and that you're going to walk with them as they reclaim their mental health. We thank you for this time we've had together, and we just ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, it's been a joy to come to you today. I say it often, but I do thank you so much for listening. Uh, It means the world to me that you would tune in to check out the content uh, that we are hosting on this podcast. And let me remind you that we are here for you. If you need someone to talk to, someone to just listen to you, someone to pray with you, go ahead and hit us up. You can visit the show notes for the contact info, but we would love to connect with you and encourage you any way we can. I look forward to being with you next time. Until then, remember this. The bad news is that we all got issues, but the good news is that Jesus came for people with issues. I love you guys. Have an awesome rest of your day. We'll see you soon. Thank you for streaming this episode of I Got Issues. If you found this content to be helpful in any way, help us expand our online community by leaving a review and sharing this podcast with a friend. If you have ideas for future episodes, we would love to hear from you. Please visit the show notes for contact information. Until next time, take care, everyone.